What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 430th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I think it's 430. Yeah, 430 episode of the Pokemon Podcast. I am your host, SBJ, here. And uh, no, Will and Greg, I'm actually recording this on a Thursday evening. Earlier this week, we had an interview with Poke Jungle, uh, which you could probably tell by the title of the episode. Um, so that's what this episode's going to be. Uh, we have a 40-minute interview with Poke Jungle that will come after the break. We have just a tiny bit of news here um, that I'm just going to cover by myself. I didn't want to drag uh, Will and Greg into a Thursday night recording when they have lives. And it's 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 nothing, really. It, it's not the most na- major news in the world. So uh, just tackle this news real quick. We'll go to a break. It'll be Poke Jungle uh, talking about his experiences while living in Japan, running the website, rumors, all that stuff. And then that will be... Uh, and then that will be the episode for today. So no question of the week, no Pokemon of the week, no Will, no Greg. You just got to put up with me for like the next like, well, I'm in the interview part too. Well, you got to put up with me for like 10 minutes of news and then that's it. So uh, probably like less than an hour episode, I'm assuming this is going to be. Uh, but last week's episode was two hours and next week's episode will be the final episode before Crown Tundra. So we'll probably have a lot to cover before then, and then obviously a lot to cover afterwards. Uh, So let's get into the news real quick. First bit of news here is Charmander Community Day. We did not talk about this last week, but uh, just a reminder, it is Saturday, October 17th from 11 to 5. Obviously, Shiny Charmander. Uh, if you evolve Charmeleon into Charizard, you will know the move Dragon Breath, which is the fast type move. So there is no Blast Burn this time around. I believe Niantic has uh, confirmed that Blast Burn is only with the uh, pay to win uh, TMs that you can only buy like once a month. Speaking of that, there will be a one time special purchase for uh $12.80, aka $1,280 Poke Coins featuring the Elite Charge TM. It will also come with three incubators, three star pieces, and 30 Ultra Balls. I still, I'll bang this drum every week. I still think this is a ripoff. I still think this is very pay to win. I think this is very damaging. Out of a lot of things that are wrong with Pokemon Go, this is definitely one of them for sure. But uh, we don't need to dwell on that. Uh, There will be event timed research and field research to earn Mega Charizard candy, energy, I don't know what they're calling it, the things to Mega Evolve your Charizard. And then for $1, they are doing an October Community Day exclusive special research story, which will also include Charizard Mega Energy. The bonus, let's say you don't care about Shiny Charmander, maybe you already have a million of them, the bonus is going to be three times catch Stardust. And your incense will last for three hours instead of the one hour. We did talk about last week how uh, Niantic nerfed the incense prior to COVID. An incense was 30 minutes. And if you were not moving, you would get a spawn once every five minutes. When COVID started, uh, they doubled it. So uh, they doubled the time. So instead of lasting 30 minutes, it lasted an hour. We all know this. But you would get a spawn about every 60 seconds, which is 60 an hour. And recently, 
what we talked about last week, Niantic changed the incense, but didn't really specify or explain on the web their blog post. They just said it went back to normal, but it will still last an hour. We talked about this. They changed it from every 60 seconds if you weren't moving to about every 90 seconds, uh, give or take, um, depending on how fast you're catching. Just some basic math, because I don't think we did the math last week, but instead of getting 60 spawns an hour in your house, you would get 40 spawns an hour, which is still good, better than the uh, five... Six spawns you would have gotten with the initial incense, and let's just say they doubled that, that would have been 12. So, better than what it was before, but not as good as it was. Timing on that has not particularly been good, but here we are. Next bit of news here, this is actually really exciting for me. I'm actually really, really excited for this. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain here on a podcast, but this is off Pokemon.com. They're announcing a premium collection uh, ultra premium collection, ultra premium collection for Zacian and Zamazenta. This is for the Pokemon TCG. If you like black and gold, which totally my aesthetics. Aesthetics? That's a word. I'm, I'm probably putting an extra letter in there. Uh, if you like black and gold, this looks awesome. It is a TCG thing. It's coming with one special gold version of Zacian Fee. This is they, they've done this before. They the, I think the first like major big gold cards that people freaked out about was Reshiram and Zekrom back in black and white. But a special gold version of Zacian V, a special gold version of Zaz- Zamazenta V. You get two sets of metal damage counters, so that's twelve dice total. Uh, metal, which is awesome. Not the plastic that comes in the Elite Trainer boxes. You get two metal coins featuring Zamazenta and Zacian. You will get two sets of card sleeves. One featuring featuring Zacian, one featuring Zamazenta. You get 130 sleeves total. You will get, quote, a set of richly richly designed metal condition markers. So that would be your um, poison or your burn. You will get 16... Booster packs for the Sword and Shield series. So uh, they're not very clear what this is, but they do say from the Sword and Shield series. So this could be base sword, sword and shield, sword and shield, base sword and shield, Rebel Clash, Darkness Ablaze. Am I missing a set? I think those are the three sets. Uh, I guess maybe I doubt Champion's Path. Um, and then Vivid Voltage will be Vivid Voltage will be out by then. I believe. So I'm not sure if it will include Vivid Voltage. It doesn't specifically say. But this does launch November 20th. Um, it will come with a player's guide, of course, the rule book, the TCG online. It will be available wherever cards are sold. There is no price on this. 16 booster packs times $4, and I'll just say 50 cents, is 72 bucks. And, of course, you always pay the Pokemon tax when they special, special pack it specially because, like, you're always, like, in an Elite Trainer box, you're, you're paying, like, an extra, what is it, like, 6 or $8 just kind of for everything around it. Um, so I'm expecting this will be $99. That, that's going to be my guess. It's probably going to be 100 bucks. 16 booster packs, two sets of metal dice, two sets of metal coins, one special Zamazenta, one special Zacian. Um, if you want to see it, it's on Pokemon.com. It's literally on their homepage. It should still be there. should be easy to find. It looks awesome, though. It looks very, very cool. Uh, and if you're a collector and you like boxes, I guess there's a box for you. Uh, this was sent in by Andrew, our uh, resident Japanese correspondent in our Addict channel in Slack. Canon made a camera 
a point and shoot camera for kids uh, with Pikachu on it. Uh, this is also hard to describe. Uh, so imagine like those. Oh, gosh, this is gonna show my age here. Where's when when there's no Will or Greg in the show? I'm now the oldest, and now I am ultimate boomer. Uh, I'm too old. Okay, so when when I was a kid, the thing that was the coolest was like those point and shoot cameras you would get at Walgreens or or CVS. They I don't even know how much they were. They were like eight dollars. But then you you took you could take like sixty photos. And then you would take it back to Walgreens and they would develop the film and stuff. So it kind of looks like that, a point-and-shoot camera. Except it has like a built-in carabiner. Um, so you can just latch it onto your backpack or your uh, belt loop really quickly, which is cool. It doesn't look like there's a flash on it, but that's fine because flash doesn't work ever. The front of the camera, if you remember the like Pikachu 3DS and it was like all yellow and then it was just Pikachu's eyes, mouth, and cheeks, it it has that aesthetic. Why is this the word of the episode? It has that look going for it, but they will be selling separate what are called jackets so you can change out the front with different, um, they have like Yamper and Pikachu, they have a Raichu, Pikachu, Pichu, they have a bunch of Pikachu, that Pichu with the Galarian starters, Pikachu with the um, Cantonian starter, Canton starters. The back has a couple features, uh, so it looks like it has a camera, it looks like it has a video feature, and then it looks like it has, uh, so it, the camera feature, the video feature, it looks like it can take a picture and apply Pikachu's cheeks to the subject. So if you're taking like a picture of like somebody's face, it puts Pikachu's cheeks on them. I think that's what it means. Sorry, the website's in Japanese. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing my best here with Google Translate. And the other thing is it looks like there is built in either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth to transfer the pictures to your phone directly, which is probably the coolest part. Because who's developing anything? So it was available for purchase on Pokemon Center dot Pokemon Center hyphen online dot com, which is the Japanese Pokemon Center. It was uh, 18,000 yen, which comes to about $175 USD. So uh, not a cheap gift for your kids, but it does apparently shoot video and shoot and has Bluetooth, I guess. There was an exclusive bonus where if you did order it off Pokemon Center, you got a little Pikachu tail charm that you could attach to your camera or your phone you also got a pokeball lanyard you also got an exclusive face plate face plate for it um they were also selling it on store.canon.jp uh, but they have not released pre-orders for that yet but the pre-orders for the japanese pokemon center was completely sold out oh they also have like the canon is offering bundles so they're offering, um, uh, I'm really trying to milk this, milk, milk, give you guys a little bit of a longer <laughs> episode of milking this. So they offer a leisure bundle, which is cool. Uh, so that comes with a, that weird YouTuber octopus tripod stand, uh, a memory card, a cannon water bottle, and then it looks like some stickers. And then there's a family bundle, which comes with two of these Pikachu cameras. And then it comes with a... Uh, two SD cards. The Leisure Bundle also comes with the SD card. And then it comes with a uh, printer 
so you can print these at home like one of those um not like an like not like a canon well not like a big printer like a photo printer one of the little ones that just print kind of cool probably a novelty thing uh, I'm sure I I can't imagine these cameras are taking better pictures than like somebody's like Pixel phone or somebody's iPhone or something or like almost every Android phone that has probably come out in the last couple of years. I don't know too much about sensors and the Japanese website doesn't really go like it doesn't really go into depth of what kind of sen- sensors they are that I can, that I can see. But it's cool. It's it's something. And that's that's pretty much all the news. So Camera, new TCG thing, brand new, that was actually announced this week, and then the Pokemon Go stuff coming up. By the time you listen to this podcast, uh, Giratina should be in raids for Pokemon Go. That is the current raid boss. That is the first time that Origin form Giratina is shiny. Origin form is the one that looks like the snake. And as we lead up to Crown Tundra, uh, just a reminder that we will be doing a 12-hour Crown Tundra stream starting at noon Central Time on October 23rd. So from noon to midnight, I will be playing Crown Tundra. It should be releasing in the United States uh, the evening of the 22nd. So as long as you uh, play that evening or that morning for an hour or two, you'll be way ahead of me. So you don't have to worry about spoilers, but that'll be really exciting that Friday for the Crown Tundra. And we'll be playing up, we'll be obviously playing and streaming on Twitch up to that. Did I say it was on Twitch? Twitch.tv slash PKMNCast, 12-hour stream, Crown Tundra, uh, October 23rd. And we'll probably be doing a lot of Crown Tundra for the rest of the year. Hopefully there's enough to do, but there's plenty of stuff I still need to do in Crown, uh, Isle of Armor and Base Sword and Shield as well. Uh, I do plan on streaming Charmander Community Day. So if you are not fortunate enough to be able to leave your house due to the circumstances of the world and you want you're playing at home and you want uh something in the background i do plan on irl streaming safely charmander's charmander community day on the 17th Uh, also if you're listening to this on monday or tuesday i do plan on streaming the pikachu event on october 13th on twitch i will be irl again safely so if you are catching ash hat pikachu at home and you need something to watch i'll be streaming that for like two or three hours that evening and i think that's it i think that's everything with that being said i'm going to throw it over to our break music we're going to go into the interview with poke jungle i hope you enjoy it It it's a really fun interview he's a really great guy uh and then that's our episode and then we'll be back on the 19th with a normal full episode will and greg will be back right before crown tundra and then of course We'll have our Crown Tundra impressions on October 26th, and we will not talk about story for Crown Tundra, but we will talk about mechanics and stuff, like if they add any Diglett thing, or if they add uh, the battle dude in the tower, that was a surprise of the Ally of Armor, so we'll be talking about that kind of stuff, but if you're worried about story, we'll save the story for the following podcast, which would be November 2nd, that gives you a little over a week to do the story, and I'm expecting... The story is only going to be like two to three hours if you play slow. We will be right back. Hey, uh, what do you guys think about pumpkin spice? Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Frosted flakes. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Mini weed. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Frosted flakes. Pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice. Pop tarts. Pumpkin spice. Coke. 
Pumpkin spice frosted flakes. Pumpkin spice and spice. We got the peppermint mocha. All right, we are back from our break. We are here with Paul, aka Pokey Jungle. Uh, web what, is Webmaster still a word? Do people use that? I, you know what? I, you can call me Webmaster. That's all right. Oh, I kind of <laughs> hate it. <laughs> owner, owner of uh, PokeJungle.net. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for so much for having me on uh, the podcast today. Yeah, excited to have you on. We're gonna we're very close to Crown Tundra, so the timing is probably for the best. Yeah, I am super super excited for that. Yeah, it's very very soon. Yeah, and you know what? Luckily, Shadowlands was pushed back for World of Warcraft, so I don't even have to worry about like <laughs> the a overlap. schedule crunch. <laughs> Pokemon usually always comes out like where another big game comes out and there's always like conflict there unless you're only a pokemon fan mm-hmm. that can be the worst so for those that don't know who you are uh which i find hard to believe but uh just maybe a little bit about yourself what you do um well i started poke jungle back in about 2004 and i've been running it kind of since um I did take like a year off before Gen 5 just for like mental health reasons, but like I'm just a Pokemon super fan. And part of the way that I love to embrace the series is just to cover the news. Um, and yeah, I, I lived in Japan for a total of nine years, um, which is really fun. And now I'm back in the US. So it's kind of, it's kind of different, you know, because when you're in Japan, you get to enjoy it pokemon in such a different way um just because it's it's i would say a bigger thing over there you know like i would just be able to like play pokemon go uh raids you know there'd be like groups of people just standing on the streets and i found that's a little bit different you know like in america pre-pandemic even but yeah i i i guess that's who i am all right i I do want to talk about the japan stuff i know that's a big part of your your history but before we get there what was your uh, first experience with with Pokemon? Was it the red and blue? Was it the gold and silver? Was it the anime, the TCG? So actually, I started playing with Pokemon Crystal, and I like when I grew up, my parents were not into like video games. They were very limited, you know. Like my screen time was very limited, um, and they didn't want extra like screens brought into the house. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't have a Game Boy and I finally got a Game Boy Advance. This was before Gen 3 launched, but at that time I just had a Game Boy Advance and I bought Pokemon Crystal and that was when I first got to play it. But obviously like I did get to play through friends who had red and blue. So oh, sure. I was there since the beginning. I just like, I didn't get to be like really hands-on um, with the games until Crystal. Okay, and that's kind of what started everything. Was there? Uh, I always, I always ask this to all, all the all the people we interview. But was there ever like a fallout with Pokemon where you're like, oh, I can't, I got to step away. It's too nerdy. I'm getting made fun of. It's not the <laughs> cool thing. Um, I, you know, like I'm, I'm a nerd, and I just, I just kind of embrace that, and I live with it, and I'm, I, I, okay, I don't really talk about Pokemon in like offline very much. Um. But I kind of just own, you know, like my my love of the series. And sure. 
I, you know, sadly in elementary school, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but like I was like the fifth grader who still had like Pokemon cards on the bus. And, you know, like the kids who'd want to trade with me were in like third or fourth grade. And so I was kind of the odd man out, you know, like still, still with the series. So what you're saying is you got the sick deals because it's very easy to rip off third graders. uh, Okay. I'm not, you know what? This is tape, so I'm not admitting to anything right now. Okay. But <laughs> 2004, you decided to launch Poke Jungle. Yep. And uh, I, I believe there was a lot of... I felt like a lot of website. That was like the, the 2000s things, right? Uh, the very 2000 thing of um, Cerebi, Bulbapedia, Poke Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember the other ones. Uh, but those are probably the three that are still around. Did you, I'm assuming you knew those sites existed. Was there was there anything of like I can do this better or I can do this differently or what was what was the mindset initially? You know, I don't know if I ever thought that I could do it better, um, but I just knew that I wanted to do it. And for some reason, I just love um, the concept of like web development and everything um, that goes along with it. So that was. You know what? This is super funny, but like my real foray into web website building actually started with Neopets because I wanted to make a website for my like little Neopets guild. Um, and at that time, like I didn't know how to make layouts or anything. So this was just a GeoCities website. And, <laughs> and basically it was just like centered content because I didn't know how to like make a table and like have sidebars or a banner. So it was just literally like centered text down a page, you know, like with a eye blinding, you know, magenta color background or something. Sure. Um, and there was a website, I think it's still there. It's like Lisa explains it all or something. It's like a very female oriented HTML development for like kids kind of website from the early two thousands. Um, and I would just go on there and read a bunch of stuff and I loved Pokemon. So I didn't do anything further with Neopets, but that was kind of my launching point into like, Oh, Hey, like. Cerebi looks so cool. I, I want to make a, my own website. So mm-hmm. um, Cerebi was definitely a big inspiration, I guess, of why I wanted to do it. But there were a ton. There were just so many um, websites back then. Like there was Pokemon Safari, um, Poke Cave, I think. Um, it was just, it was like the thing to do was to make Pokemon websites at that point in time. So well, if you wanted to see what Cerebi looked like back then, just go to Cerebi right now because it hasn't changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm no comment <laughs> <laughs> like we we all know that joe does cerebi pretty much full-time and bulbapedia is like seven million people updating <laughs> mm-hmm. uh is there is there a team over at poke jungle is it just you is it a full-time thing is it a hobby thing um because you do get news out pretty quickly I do get news out pretty quickly. Um, but right now I would say it's pretty small. Um, I've always had like a group of a core of people that help me. Um, for instance, our designer is Sam. Um, and he's been just creating some amazing things for us, I think for probably five years now. Um, and that's been great because I suck at graphics. Uh, that's, that's definitely one of my weaknesses. So your site uh, looks been, awesome. Well, that, you know what, if it does and thank you, uh, that's because of him. So, um, he's been a huge help for me. We also have had like many team members, um, that just, you know, try to write and cover the news, especially in earlier generations. 
Um, right now it is pretty much just me. And then we also have, um, Nick, who's been writing some origin of species articles for us, but yeah, there, you know, and I don't know, like I, there's too many people to think right now, but there are a lot of people who have put a lot of hard work and effort into, um, helping me and making the site better. Yeah, that's awesome. And you got verified on Twitter. So that, that's, that's huge. I, you know what I was. I got verified before Serbi. I'm not going <laughs> to brag, but. <laughs> so how does that transition into you living in Japan? Was that a school thing? Was that a work thing? Was that a, a Pokemon thing? Because you were there so, for almost a decade, right? Yeah. Um, there. So I lived. Yeah. So, well, first of all, I wanted to be a game designer. Like in middle school, I was like, okay, I want to design games. Um, and I think you know, maybe for a lot of gamers, that's like kind of the dream, you know, you love playing games and you want to, you want to make them. Um, and I kind of saw Japan, like many people do as kind of a mecca of game design stuff. I think that's shifted a little bit. Um, and you know, like there's a lot of great game development studios in the U S now, um, as well. But at that time, I like, I just decided I want to be an exchange student. I want to go to Japan. I want to learn stuff and, you know, like, understand the culture you know that is behind some of these great games so that was kind of my reasoning for being a high school exchange student um and that was my i I went there during 11th grade and stayed there for a year in osaka um and it you know it, it was great and i i always try to encourage people if they want to do like an exchange program, either in school or college or whatever, um, to do it because you just learn so much about a different culture and it doesn't matter if it's Japan or wherever. Um, I just feel like it's a great life experience. So I'll give a little shout out to exchange programs, but, uh, (laughs) I, you know, it really, it really was a good experience. I didn't necessarily think that I would go back to Japan after I came home. But, so you said that was that was a year in eleventh grade. Yeah, yeah. So then your senior year would have been in the states. Yep, and then okay. I graduated and kind of just did community college because um, I at that point I didn't want to be a game designer anymore, but I didn't know what exactly I wanted to be, so I thought I would just get the general stuff out of the way and then you know go somewhere else. But actually, I started dating a Japanese guy who was living in the states, and he graduated um, and was going to go back to Japan, and I was like, well. I'm not really doing anything right now. So <laughs> um, I Temple J- Temple University in Philadelphia has a Japanese Tokyo campus. So I applied there. I got in and um, then I switched colleges. So I was, you know, I went over to Tokyo and even after graduating, um, I just kind of stayed and was I was teaching. I was teaching English for kids mostly. And it was just a great place, especially you know, doing my website, um, to be really close to the beat of Pokemon news. Um, because a lot of times I'm sleeping when, you know, like the Japanese news comes out, Yeah, but there was, there was no time zone issues really when I was living there and I could get a lot of cool footage and pictures and stuff, um, for social media and for my website. So it just, it just kind of worked out. What made you come back? Was it the was it pandemic stuff? No, actually, I 
I wanted to get married. (laughs) Japan still doesn't have marriage equality. And my boyfriend, now husband, um, and I, you know, like we, we were in it for the long term and we wanted to get married, start a life together. And then I also just, you know, like my, my grandma was moved over to memory care and stuff. And if, if I hadn't had family issues that were pressing because of my grandma, I could have stayed longer, you know, because marriage is just a piece of paper, you yeah. know, it's really being with the person you love. And I could have done that in Japan. Um, but that was like a real motivating factor for me to come back. So I came back, I got married in the basement of her nursing home <laughs> so she could be there. Um, and it was, it was honestly a great decision, I think, because then the pandemic happened and, you know, we're still not out of it, but I can't visit her right now. And I'm just so happy that I got to see, um, her before this all started. Dang. You didn't warn me that I needed like tissues before this episode. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a sweet story. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, hard to follow that up. That's good. (laughs) Let's it's a shift gears a little bit, because uh, you, you you're you were in Japan when um, Sword and Shield dropped. Yeah. So I I imagine that was we're gonna have to talk about national dexers here for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Sword and Shield, people were really really hyped when the initial trailer dropped, and I think where the 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 conversation changed was around E3, where they said they weren't bringing the Pokemon in, mm-hmm. and then the national deck stuff broke out. Obviously. You know, we're we're a year, almost a year f- with Sword and Shield, and it's sold incredibly well. Um, the people that were unhappy and didn't buy it are still unhappy and still didn't buy it. The people who did mm-hmm. get it, for the most part, uh, seem to enjoy it. Uh, was there that outrage that you saw firsthand, um, or or were okay? Sorry, I gotta clarify. I will clarify. I was actually in the U.S. for the the launch um, because I came back in May 2019. I just double checked. Um, but for the announcement and everything for the that announcement was, that, that was early yeah that was earlier i think there there was definitely a lot of heat in the japanese fandom too because i read the japanese twitter i don't know like by topics and stuff i don't follow a huge amount of accounts but like i'll dive in um when i'm covering different issues and just like see what's going on outside of our western um impressions or thoughts and stuff and i I want to see both sides. So they were not, not pleased, I think. And I think it was a very similar uh, reaction to what we had really. And then what were your, what were your thoughts on sword and shield yourself when it arrived? Was it, was it disappointing? Was it, was it better than you expected? Worse than you expected? What you expected? (laughs) You know what? I will be completely honest. I was, I was running through that first route and I thought to myself, am I getting too old for this? And it was just such a weird thought because, you know, like I, I've never really had that thought playing Pokemon before, but at first it was just like a little bit hard for me to get into. And I don't know if it was just like the jump to the switch, you know, like I, I'll be honest, I never finished Let's Go. Um, so I already kind of left that go. Um, but I, you know, was like it, just was playing... Let's Go the Kanto? Like, what was the, hold on, before we get to Sword and Shield, what was the, what was the, did you have issues with Let's Go? Did you think it was a, a bad game or shouldn't have been made or catered too much for casuals? Um, no, I actually appreciate that they are making a 
you know, like I think if they separate the series a little bit, I think it allows them to make a very guided experience for younger or less experienced fans. Um, and hopefully my hope would be that they can retain a lot of, you know, the complexity and even add more complexity into the mainline games. Um, and let's go is technically mainline if, you know, you go with that, but, um, you know, for the non let's go titles. Yeah. So for me, for me, it was just a little bit too guided. Didn't really offer me anything. I, I didn't like the catching system. I think that was probably the number one thing. Um, and it's so dumb, but like after you release the ball in let's go, it still like keeps the circle, like keeps moving, but in go it like stops, you know, like you flick the ball and the circle is like there still oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the same size. So just like even that for whatever reason, that small detail just annoyed me so much. It was just like, <laughs> you know, if you're going to make a catching system, that's based off go. Why, why does it feel different? You know, like, why am I trying to time things differently? And it just was not a smooth transition. And I was just like, uh, there's other stuff I could be doing right now. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, and then jumping into sword and shield, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think maybe it was still a little bit leftover feelings like from let's go that maybe this was going to be too simplistic. And I think the storyline, you know, like it is just, it's a Pokemon game, you know, you're not jumping in a final fantasy convoluted, <laughs> you know, like whatever, but, but after that first route, I started getting more into it. I started, uh, enjoying some of the designs and stuff, some of the little touches. Um, so for me personally, my impression was very positive of, uh, the games. And you said you you said at the start you're you're excited for Crown Tundra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was your? How do you feel about the the DLC? Um, d- the DLC route in general, and of course Isle of Armor. Um, your thoughts on that? But you know we're so used to having like a a third version of a game, and they decided DLC this time. Hmm. I feel a little bit conflicted to be honest. I love the new Pokemon, like. Galarian, uh, Galarian Slowbro was super cool to me. Um, and in some ways it just like, it sucks that I can't use it on my team going through the storyline. Um, and of course, if you're just starting, you know, after I believe you unlock the wild area, you kind of hop over to the Isle of Armor Mm -hmm. and do that. But like for gamers who had already played through this, you know, we're, we're past that point. Uh, so I, it's like so stupid in a way, but I just love to like, you know, have my team with me and like, it kind of builds up your affinity for these Pokemon, but like just catching a Galarian Slowpoke, okay. Evolving it, you know, like it doesn't create the same bond. <laughs> no, I feel you. So I don't have like those fun memories of like, I don't know, defeating this gym or that gym with this, you know, Pokemon. And it was so in that in that sense, I prefer third versions because if there are other forums, if there are different Pokemon to catch on the way that weren't, you know, originally available in that route, you know, you can you can more fully integrate it into your gameplay experience. Um and I didn't get that from the DLC. But Yeah, that's that's super fair. And I, I kind of felt the same. The only the only thing that I think outweighs that for me is not having to collect everything again like i don't want to stock back up on <laughs> rare candy or experience candy large or carbos or like my other game mm-hmm. has all of these and now i don't have them anymore 
Well, and I think that is one of the great things about the Isle of Armor because they just added so many good, like quality of life uh, features. I feel like, and even having the, you know, the dojo get the vending machines and like mm-hmm. just having a lot of stuff there. You can change your outfit, you can heal or whatever without a long animation. It was, it did feel like a good addition to the game, and especially for people who wanted to like create better teams yeah it was very uh very competitive focused uh Mm -hmm. if you were into that if you're into the vitamins and the move tutors and the restrictive sparring and stuff like that i draw the line uh at injections i won't inject my pokemon with chemicals but (laughs) giving them vitamins i'll do that (laughs) sure so crown tundra Bringing back all the legends, doing the co-op. Uh, is there anything specifically you're looking forward to in that DLC? Um, I'm actually... Okay, so, like, I do really like the new Reggie trio. Or, well, it's not a trio anymore. <laughs> I don't... Okay, <laughs> I don't actually like the original Reggie trio. For whatever reason, I'm just not into them. But the new ones, I really like. The Dragon and Electric ones. They Their designs just really look cool to me. So... I'm excited to see those. I really think they did a great job with the Galarian um, bird trio. So that's cool. Slow King is... Uh, I I love it, but I hate it, but I love it. So um, I think that's all great. I'm a little bit worried about the story. Um, if it's super story-focused, I'm not sure if I'm going to actually enjoy that part of it. But the environments uh that you get to like explore and stuff have looked really cool from the trailer in my opinion yeah i don't know if i can say i was disappointed with the isle of armor story it's just kind of what i expected them to do which is like this short maybe two hours if you're a slow player (laughs) experience well i i just thought that there was going to be something that was super replayable like a kind of a battle frontier sort of experience um and i mean they did add like some extra new things for like online battling but it just it didn't have the like single player replayability that i thought that they were going to be adding kind of yeah i thought the the two towers weren't going to be useless when you finished it and then the (laughs) two towers ended up being useless Yeah, I was like, okay, what, you know, like, I I thought they were going to be like a Battle Tower-esque situation, so. Right, yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was going to be like endless floors or something that you climb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're just two to- towers <laughs> <laughs> that exist. Uh, they look nice, though, <laughs> from the outside. Are you still playing Go? I know it's hard with Pandemic, but um, you brought up how Go was very different in Japan. Yeah, so I still play Go. Um, I'm I wouldn't call myself like a super, uh, I don't know, invested player, but I'm definitely a casual player, and I love collecting uh, my favorite Pokemon. <laughs> and I just, you know, I like participating in the little events that they have. As far as like the difference between the U.S. and Japan, it was just so widespread. Um, and I think part of that was just because I was living in Tokyo, where there's a huge population. Um, I can't speak for rural areas of Japan, which I think probably are different in their experience of the game. But for me, like I could just, I could see a raid happening and usually there would be people there, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of time where I would have to try to take something down by myself 
And even if there was no one in the lobby, you could like jump in and usually two or three or four people would jump in too, because they're like waiting for someone to like take the plunge. So it was just, it was just so nice to be able to participate in the raid events and stuff and special Pokemon that appeared in like five star legendary Pokemon really most of the time, just because, you know, there was, there was so much fan support and activity. Um, but in Minnesota where I live now, um, besides like the community days, I don't see that, mm-hmm. but I think probably like Mall of America, um, is our big mall here in Minnesota. And I think there's probably, there, there'd probably be a kind of a similar experience. I'm sure I don't, that's like an hour away from me. So I don't get yeah. up there very often. And especially now during the pandemic, I wouldn't, but I'm, I'm pretending this, there's not a pandemic and Hopefully this will go back to normal in the future, but yeah, when I've uh, visited Minnesota, Mall America was for sure the the place to be for for Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you know, actually, okay. So touching on this, one thing I will say that has really helped keep me alive right now at my job. There's actually a group of Pokemon Go players, um, and we have a Slack chat to communicate. So. That has been a huge thing for me. And actually my, where I work to would have, they had, um, a gym and well, several gyms around and also a Pokemon stop that could be accessed internally, like when without leaving the building. Um, so I felt really lucky that I got a job where I did. And, um, that is, that helped me keep like the momentum kind of going um until like everything became work from home and now i have i have nothing around me so i appreciated neantic's work like play from home uh bonuses that just ended yeah i'm a little salty (laughs) yeah little little weird on why now out of all the time (laughs) (laughs) i remember when i was in japan for three two two and a half three weeks there was uh, in Osaka where that giant, uh, gosh, it's like that bridge with the running dude. On the oh, bridge. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I remember there was, there were raids popping nonstop and every raid I, and it wasn't even like an event. Like I mm-hmm. could, I think it was like a two star, I don't know, <laughs> like a Minchino or something, something no <laughs> one cared about. And they would just fill to 20 and yeah. I look around and you could see, you could, I mean, it's very easy to spot a pogo player. They're the ones tapping their screen and not looking at it, <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of crazy how people just like, they would show up, they would just join the raid. There was like no communication. And then when the raid was over, everyone just dispersed. But mm-hmm. if you walk to another raid, it was like the same thing. And that was kind of my entire experience in Japan of like, the game is just more, maybe because Japan is so close together with everything. And it's like very hard to like not walk ten feet without uh something being a Pokestop. Yeah, that I mean that's true too. Like there's there's a lot available, you know. At least in the cities, so Yeah. But yeah, it was a pretty wild experience. And so you being you being over there for nine years, you had, you know, constant access to Pokemon centers, you had uh all the gotcha machines that were at like train mm-hmm. stations and bus stops and stuff. Uh, and that stuff is like regularly updated. I remember walking into like a Seven Eleven, and they just had like Pokemon face masks, uh, <laughs> or like Pokemon lotion. Yeah, they, that stuff is like everywhere over there. I still have. I have not opened, but I bought one of the Bulbasaur face masks. You know, like the beauty face yeah. masks. 
I should probably open it before it dries out, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that would be a special YouTube video, I guess. Do do you do you like miss that that culture though? I mean, like I think I think Japan obviously being number one with Pokemon stuff and America being number two, but I can't walk into like a gas station and find anything Pokemon here. Yeah, it I mean like it really does it really does suck for people in the US and I'm sure it's the same way in Europe. Although Europe doesn't even have the online Pokemon Center. So it, it was jarring to come back, but it's probably saved me money. So <laughs> maybe I should be glad. But the funny thing is that I actually worked in one of the same buildings because there it was the classroom was kind of um, located in an office building um, that was connected to a mall. And that mall had a Pokemon Center in it. So I was just able to like get off work, go to the Pokemon Center, and then go home. Like, and I would work there like twice a week for a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was just crazy. Like, it, it took no effort to, you know, like go anywhere and find Pokemon stuff. Right. I remember getting off the, uh, off the plane. Um, I was like, I wonder how long it'll take for us to see something Pokemon. And it was like, literally instantly, there was like a Pokemon vending machine right off the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the Pokemon centers there, they update like almost weekly, right? With new stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's, I basically it is kind of weekly, isn't it? Because I do cover like the updates to the merchandise on Twitter. And, you know, like every week they announce, you know, goods and those aren't sold for you know three more weeks but it's just this rolling cycle and so you're there are you know like it's not going to be boring i guess if you go to a pokemon center one week the next week you're probably going to find something fun and new Mm -hmm. so are there plans for you to eventually go back to japan maybe when the world isn't imploding anymore yeah well actually um my husband's sister had a baby so we are just we are dying to go back and see his family and meet our new nephew. So it's been, it's actually been hard to be away from Japan because we actually had plans to go back um, this fall and that's not going to happen now, but uh, as soon as possible, we will, we will be back not for Pokemon specifically, but I, you know, will probably go uh, to a Pokemon center, <laughs> <laughs> maybe buy a few gotcha machines. <laughs> So what do you what do you think is is next here uh, on the the I guess your expertise or your speculation? You know we're getting we're getting the next DLC in by the time this episode goes up in like two weeks. Uh, do you do you see more DLC? Do you see uh, a remake of Diamond and Pearl, which I don't think the internet has shut up about since <laughs> the remakes of Ruby and Sapphire? Do you see another Let's Go game? Do you see you well anything else? I. I don't, I, you know what? It's so, you know, I have no special insider knowledge about anything, but it just, I'm open. I'm ready for anything. And I would be fine if there was more Sword and Shield DLC. There are still Pokemon that weren't, you know, added with these two DLC releases. Um, but on the other hand, okay, let's go. I'm going to give Let's Go a second chance if one of them is Let's Go Togepi for Johto. I would be <laughs> fine with that. Um, Cause one of the, one of my favorite things about those games were like the customization you could do. And I love Togepi. I actually loved Eevee. Um, but. Oh, you mean customizing your like Eevee character? With, yeah. Like, yeah. The yeah, bows the and the hats and the, yeah, got it. yeah. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I kind of, I kind of think that we'll, 
be done with the DLC almost for Sword and Shield and then maybe move on to the next thing, which which could be like a collection of Pokemon games released for the Switch, like past games, because there have been rumors about that. So we'll have to see whether it's actually going to be a remake of Diamond and Pearl or like they're going to wait until Gen 9 to do that. Um, and, you know, maybe they're just going to release release kind of a multi-pack for the Switch of of games for like the 3DS. So I'm not sure. And your site, unlike um, Serebi, reports on rumors. Yeah, we do. And I get a lot of flack for that um, online. And I think a lot of people maybe view my site as being like unreliable um, because of that. But I do my best to make it very, very clear. You know, like when we're covering rumors, I include red text at the top. You know, this is do not believe this. Okay. Yeah. But I just, I think that being able to talk about rumors and like possible, you know, additions or ideas added in the games. Um, I think it's fun for fans and it's fun for me. So, you know, if it wasn't fun for me, I wouldn't do it. You know, like some people do think it's just for like clickbait and stuff, but honestly, what I find interesting is what I put on this website. So yeah, I mean, like, uh, I know we we on the podcast covered the um, Pokemon Stars rumor pretty closely, mm-hmm. but the main reason we covered it is because there was pretty good. It was it was coming from a pretty reliable source. I mean, it was coming from Eurogamer, which you know they they got the they got the Sun and Moon stuff pretty early. They got the Switch stuff all right before the Switch even released. So it was like it's kind of really hard to ignore where the source is coming from. Mm-hmm. And whether or not like stars was a real thing or it was canceled or it was a code name and they changed it. I mean, it is what it is. I don't think a lot of people even remember it at this point, but <laughs> sometimes it's hard to ignore the uh, what was that? Oh, it was the Incineroar Primarina and Decidueye that was yeah. leaked and then everyone thought they were fake. And then, yeah, it was it was like eight months early. We saw them. And then we were like, whoa, these were real the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Props to Joe for not deleting his tweet saying they're not real. Um, I have mad respect for him for, you know, like keeping that up. Um, it's, you know, like those are the wild times or even like I, I posted the um, picture of the trainer riding Lapras before Let's Go was revealed. I mean, sometimes there's just like weird leaks that, you know, like just pop up out of nowhere and you don't know if they're real you don't know if it's fake but uh sometimes they do turn out to be legitimate i cannot wait till uh the day that gen 4 remakes do eventually happen and the the second they're announced the gen 5 people start (laughs) (laughs) i am such a gen 5 fan so i will be probably the loudest i'll be like okay where where's my where's my gen 5 remake (laughs) (laughs) yeah your uh your website's mascot is sawaddle Hmm. I almost. I feel like it was made for me. Like I just saw that, and I was like, "Okay, this is it. This is this is a representation of my website and of me personally." Maybe. <laughs> Do you think uh, with like Go and the TCG and the anime and pretty much everything the Pokemon Company pumps out, like this machine that they are? Uh, do you think over the years the Pokemon community has gotten? more divided or more different it's definitely gotten bigger there's no denying it there with go alone um but it feels i don't know for me it feels slightly different than it did like five years ago 
Yeah, I mean, I think it was much tighter knit. And I think a lot of, um, from my generation of, I don't know what my generation really is defined as, but like, I got in when Pokemon forums were the thing, you know, like fans were not, there was no Twitter, there was no um, whatever. So we were all on these, you know, forums, and you kind of knew who people were. And, you know, like we were using MSN and AIM and stuff to chat, you know, like outside of the forums. So um, I think you knew who people were a little bit more. Um, whereas, you know, like every day new Twitter accounts are popping up and you really you don't have that same connection with other fans. Um, and it's so much more it's so much easier, I think, to interact with people um, now because you don't have to register for a specific website based around a specific, uh, you know, f- Pokemon theme. So there's just such a lower barrier uh, to en- enter these online conversations now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like some people do think like Pokemon fans are super toxic and stuff. And I have to say that I think there are just, there's just toxicity in everywhere <laughs> in all yeah. fandoms. Um, and you know, like it's some people pigeonhole, you know, like gamers are toxic or Pokemon fans are toxic, but it's, it's truly like kind of the nature of, I think the internet and what it's evolved into because any fandom and for me, I'm a huge fan of the um, drag queen show, RuPaul's Drag Race. And it's just amazing. If you dig into that um, fandom, which is, you know, it's got a lot of gay people. It's got a lot of trans people, you know, like there's female fans, there's male fans. Um, and it is so toxic, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so it's the exact opposite of like the kind of this white male gamer stereotype of toxicity. Um and so, like, it's really kind of opened my eyes that I think there's a there's a larger problem and it's probably, you know, it does it. It kind of needs to be addressed. But, you know, like it's it's hard. You know, I think I don't know. I hope that we as community can be a good example for other different fandoms. I think the National Dex issue kind of had a really maybe a negative impact on the way maybe other gamers saw the Pokemon uh, fandom, but I really hope that we can be kind of a, a positive force for good. So that's what I, that's what I try to promote when I'm not like picking on Cerebi. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's all, that's all we have. I mean, I could, I could probably keep you, but I know, I know you're busy. I'm busy. I'm a busy guy. <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, if uh, our listeners want to find you, uh, where is the best place? You know, I think my Twitter, I'm very much like Trump. I just do not stop tweeting. So at PokeJungle is probably the best place to find me. Otherwise, PokeJungle.net. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to hearing the podcast. Thanks again for Paul, a.k.a. Poke Jungle, for being on. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to follow uh, anything on social media, keep up to date. PKMNCast, P-K-M-N-C-A-S-T on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Instagram, pretty much everywhere. R slash super effective if you want to join into our subreddit that is out there. Uh, continue putting out YouTube content. If you're listening to this episode when it comes out, there should be a brand new YouTube video about 
uh, Incineroar and wrestling and how uh, I I broke down why Incineroar is Incineroar. Uh, so that that's on YouTube. And if the video before that was my thoughts on what is an Ultra Beast and what is not an Ultra Beast, so we're doing more of this uh, lore-ish slash explanation stuff on YouTube uh, that I've been putting time into. So if, if you need some YouTube content that's out there, obviously streaming daily on Twitch. Uh, but this has been... Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are... Oh, wait, that's super effective. Thank you for listening to another episode of It's Super Effective. A shout out to our producers this episode. Kevin, Casey, Liam, Patrick, Jetsy, Matthew, Kay, Catherine, Steph, and Courtney. And a shout out to our executive producers of Spencer and Anthony. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. If you too want to support if I cannot talk, if you too want to support this podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash it's super effective, or you can just head to ise.cash and you can support us as well. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.